Have they yet passed the once disputed border of mere androgyny, arriving at some entirely new sexual continuum? Movies of the lingua franca of the 20th century. The Tenth Muse, as they call the movies in Italy, has driven the other nine right off Parnassus, or off the peak anyway. Recently I observed to a passing tape recorder that I was once a famous novelist, when assured politely that I was still known and read, I explained myself. I was speaking, I said, not of me personally, but of a category to which I once belonged that has now ceased to exist. I am still here, but the category is not. To speak today of a famous novelist is like speaking of a famous cabinet maker or speedboat designer. Adjective is inappropriate to noun. How can a novelist be famous, no matter how well-known he may be, personally to the press? If the novel itself is of little consequence to the civilized, much less to the generality. The novel as teaching aid is something else, but hardly famous. There is no such thing as a famous novelist now, any more than there is such a thing as a famous poet. I use the adjective in the strict sense. According to authority, to be famous is to be much talked about, usually in a favorable way. It is as bleak and inglorious as that. Yet thirty years ago, novels were actually read and discussed by those who did not write them, or indeed even read them. A book could be famous then, but today's public seldom mentions a book unless like the Da Vinci Code, it is being metamorphosed into a faith-challenging film. Contrary to what many believe, literary fame has nothing to do with excellence or true glory, or even with a writer's position in the syllabus of a university's English department, itself as remote to the agora as academe's shadowy walk. For any artist, fame is the extent to which the agora finds interesting his latest work. If what he has written is known only to a few other practitioners or to enthusiasts, William Faulkner compared lovers of literature to dog breeders, few in number but passionate to the point of madness on the subject of bloodlines. Then the artist is not only not famous, he is irrelevant to his time, the only time that he has nor can he dream of eager readers in a later century, as did Stendhal. If novels and poems fail to interest the Agora today, by the year 3091, such artifacts will not exist at all, except as objects of monkish interest. This is neither a good nor a bad thing. It is simply not a famous thing. Optimists, like the late John Gardner, regarded the university as a great good place where literature would continue to be not only worshipped but created. Perhaps he was right, though I do not like the look of those fierce theoreticians currently hacking away at the olive trees of the academe while seeding the Sophisis River with significant algae. Can there be a famous literary theoretician? Alas, no. The Agora has no interest in parlor games, other than contract bridge, when one of the players is Omar Sharif. 
Literary theory is a glass bead game whose reward for the ludic player is the knowledge that once he masters it, he will be thought by his peers to be ludicrous. But I have lately been taken to task by an English teacher for my intemperate attacks on English departments, which have, she noted, ominously cost me my place in the syllabus. So I shall now desist and, like Jonah, wait for the greatest of fishes to open wide his jaws and take me in. After all, if you miss one syllabus, there will always be another in the next decade. The best of our literary critics was V.S. Pritchett. I find fascinating his descriptions of what the world was like in his proletarian youth. Books were central to the agora of 1914. Ordinary Londoners were steeped in literature, particularly Dickens. People saw themselves in literary terms.